Thanksgiving just a little bit early, and I know that this has probably never happened to you, but it has happened to me before, and I say it uh, kind of to my shame. In the past, when I've gone to Thanksgivings, uh, sometimes we go around the table, and and everybody has to say one thing they're thankful for before you can eat. Maybe that's happened to you, and that doesn't shame me, uh, but what, what is to my shame is several years ago, I it's not happened to me in quite a while, but uh, there for a while I got to where I couldn't really think of anything. Isn't that awful? I couldn't think of anything to be thankful for, either that or other people had gone before me and they said the same thing I was thankful for. And I didn't want to be that guy that said, Ditto. I think I did a couple of times, but I didn't want to be that guy. And so uh, it, it's kind of, like I said, it's, I, I kind of struggled. And it's sad because I really have a lot of things to be thankful for, just like you do. And I'm sure that uh, maybe you've had similar experiences, times in your life, or maybe around Thanksgiving or, or some other time, when you just didn't really feel that thankful. You knew you had stuff to be thankful for, you just didn't feel that way. And uh, especially as we enter this, this Thanksgiving season, I want to look for a little bit today at some reasons the psalmist gives for being thankful. And we're going to be in Psalm 118 today, so if... If you haven't found that text, go ahead and be turning there. Psalm 118, and uh, we're going to read the first nine verses. Now, Psalm 118 is a very significant psalm. We're only going to read the first few verses, but if you were to read the whole thing, and I'd encourage you to do that maybe after you get home, you'll probably recognize quite a bit of the language because uh, it's quoted in the New Testament many times. For instance, uh, this is what's called a Hallel psalm. It starts at Psalm 113 and goes to Psalm 118, and these are songs that the Jews would sing uh, during the Passover season as they were ascending up to Jerusalem. It starts in Psalm 113, this, this series of songs they would sing, and the last psalm that they would sing at Passover was Psalm 118. Now that's, that's interesting to me, and maybe it's just because I like little trivia type things like that, but as you read Matthew and Mark's Gospels, you read that uh, Jesus had the Lord's Supper. He instituted the Lord's Supper in the upper room. And then it says, after they ate, they sang a psalm, and then went over to the Garden of Gethsemane where he was later arrested. This is most likely the psalm that they sang right before he was arrested. Also, uh, he quoted this psalm at, at his trial. He talks about being the cornerstone the builders rejected. And, uh, and other biblical writers quote this. And, and in Luke's Gospel we have this, uh, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord, comes right from Psalm 118. So it's a very significant psalm. Part of it points to Christ, but part of it doesn't. Part of it points to us and speaks right to us and tells us that we should be thankful to God for His many goodnesses to us. And that thankfulness should come out in worship. Now, I'm just going to summarize all that he says in, in uh, the first nine verses in one sentence. We have many reasons to be thankful and to worship God, so do it. Okay, so if you, if you found Psalm 118, please stand with me as uh, we begin reading in verse 1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. O let Israel say, His loving kindness is everlasting. O let the house of Aaron say, His loving kindness is everlasting. O let those who fear the Lord say, His loving kindness is everlasting. For my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. 
better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. I think you may be seated. Now, right away, right at the very beginning of Psalm 118, the psalmist, whoever it is, some people think David, some people think somebody else, but whoever the psalmist is, he bursts into, in, into praise to God. And it's not just him that praises God. He calls on other people to praise the Lord. Now, right away, a couple things stand out to me uh, from this first verse. And the first is that we should indeed praise the Lord. We should indeed give thanks to God. Now, that's a very basic thing, but let's face it, a lot of times we get messed up right here, don't we? Because many times, as I said before, we don't feel like giving thanks. Maybe something in our life is going on and our life stinks. Maybe uh, we're kind of down the dumps. We don't feel good. Uh, sickness going on, something going on in the family, whatever it is. Uh, we're going through trials of some sort. Maybe we're facing uncertainty. And in those times, we don't feel like giving thanks. We don't want to thank God. Because it, we know that we should give thanks. We just don't feel like giving thanks. I'm not going to ask you if you ever felt that way because hopefully you have and I'm not the only one. But sometimes I think uh, part of the reason we don't want to give thanks is we just get so used to, to God's goodness to us we forget how good His goodness really is. And the Bible says here in verse 1, give thanks to the Lord. It doesn't say give thanks to the Lord when you feel like it. Whether or not you feel like it, give thanks to God. The second thing that stands out to me is that the psalmist uses himself as an example and then calls other people to praise God for what God has done in his life. Now, when you're down in the dumps and you're not feeling real crazy, you're not feeling real thankful to God, somebody comes along and they say, Hey, celebrate with me. Listen to what God's done in my life. Praise the Lord with me. What do you want to do? And say, Shut up, right? I mean, we don't want to say that in church. We just want to say, Oh, well, you know, um, I'm grieved in spirit right now. And I'll, you know, or maybe we say, Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll put on a fake smile. But really, what we want to say is just hush up and let me wallow in my misery. But even if you can't see a reason to praise God and thank Him for you, you ought to thank Him for them. As one author well said, he said, Every instance of a particular favor shown to anyone is to others an occasion for praise, inasmuch as it is an illustration of the general character of God. In other words, when we pray and heaven's silent, and, and it seems like God has, has hidden His face from you for a time, and God does something in somebody else's life, you still ought to praise Him. You ought to praise Him for what He's doing in their life. Why? Because it shows the kind of God that we have. It shows that even though it's dark and quiet now, your day's one day coming. And what kind of God do we have? Look at verse 1 again. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. We have a good God. Now, I think every Christian would agree to that, and every person that's been a recipient of His grace, and that's all of us, we should readily attest to the fact that God is good. But His goodness is a reason to praise Him. Why? Because He alone is good. You remember, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You remember this? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. Now, Jesus wasn't saying, You're messing up. I'm not God. That's not what He was saying. He was saying, Before you start throwing around titles like good, you need to realize there's only one who's good, and that's God. Are you willing to say that I'm God? He's pushing him on that.
there's only one who is good, and that's God. And listen, you ain't Him. Now, there's a belief today in the general goodness of man. That inside each person, they're at heart basically good. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I am amazed at the kindness of people sometimes. I, I remember when uh, the tornado hit in Joplin. Uh, I didn't go out there right away. I think it happened in May, if I remember right. And I didn't go to the summer after school was out. But I went out there and uh, worked with Samaritan's Purse to help with some of the cleanup. And even then, weeks after it happened, there were people from all over the country who were coming to Joplin to help complete strangers. I mean, it, it, it was incredible that these people, they didn't know them from Adam, but they still came all those miles to help them. But no matter how good a person is, nobody is completely good except for God. Because everybody is tainted by sin. And I don't think we can really conceive of what a totally holy good person or, or a totally holy good God even is like. Because you think of the best person you know. Just picture them in your mind right now. Who's the best person you know? They're still human. They're still going to fail. They're still going to make selfish decisions. They're still going to uh, hold back some kindness. They're going to break their word in some way. But God's not like that. Our character determines our actions. And likewise, God's character determines His actions. He's good, and therefore, His actions are good as well. Everything that He does is completely good. He never makes a selfish choice. Parents, I know you've never done this, but maybe a parent, maybe your spouse has. Some, somebody you know has. They're grumpy every once in a while. And maybe a, a kid asks for something, and they snap. You know, God doesn't do that. He doesn't get grumpy and, and lash out in anger. God's not like that. He doesn't make a selfish choice. He always does the right thing. They say, but you don't understand. What about this situation? Even times whenever He allows something, sometimes things are bad, but even when God allows those things, He'll work those things for the good of His people, and in the process, He's good to us. You, know, you can probably think of times when bad things have happened to you, but and if it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't have gotten through it. God is good to us, even in those times. And that's a reason to give thanks, because God is good. The psalmist then moves on in, uh, in, in verses 2 down, through, uh, down to verse 4 with something you, you have to be kind of blind to miss. We should thank God... For his everlasting mercy. It's repeated over and over and over. Now the word translated as loving kindness, your Bible may say mercy has the idea of, of kindness, of steadfast love, of mercy, of being faithful to his covenant with his people. And what a reason to thank God. Because how many times are we the recipients of his mercy? Now what's, what's mercy? It's not giving somebody what they deserve. How many times are we forgiven? We mess up, we sin, and God forgives us over and over and over and over. And He just keeps doing it. And sometimes just a sheer kindness to us, and we turn a blind eye to it. Because we're so accustomed to God's goodness, we stop being struck by the wonder of it. Now, I was struck by a powerful picture of how we should respond to mercy just, just the other day with Jesse, actually. Um, Jesse was being a toot. I guess you, you might term it. And 
complete disobedience. And finally, it's like, you know what? When we get home, you're getting a spanking. Well, we got home, and I decided I was going to show her some mercy. I wasn't going to give her a spanking. And I told her that. I, I, I'm not going to give you a spanking. And Scarlett, being the great wife she is, she's sowing some seeds. Now, that's mercy, Jesse. That's when you don't get what you deserve. That's you know, And, and that's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad she's doing it. And after Jesse finally uh, understood that I was never going to spank her for what she had done, she climbed up in my lap, gave me a hug, and then just sat there and just held me. And I thought, man, what a picture of what our response should be to God's mercy. God, I mean, we deserve a whipping for our sins, so to speak. We deserve God's wrath. And God gives us mercy. When He, for Christ's sake, forgives us, we should do like Jesse did and, and show gratitude. Now, we can't climb up in God's lap and give Him a hug, obviously. But we can say thanks. We can have an attitude of thankfulness. Give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness is everlasting. It's always there. The next reason that we should thank God, if you'll notice in verse 5, is for answered prayer. For my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. And that seems like a really weird contrast, doesn't it? I was in distress, and God put me in a large place. What? How, how do those two things connect? Well, the word that's used in the original language that's translated as distress has the idea of a narrow place. If you've ever been in a, a cave, I always hate these places, Fat Man Squeeze. You ever been to those? Because I say, go on ahead, guys. I'll just catch you on the way back out. I mean, the, but it's real narrow. And that's the idea here. It's, it's a narrow place. Now, last week I talked about the um, the, the straight path of discipleship that, God, that Jesus called us to walk. And it's not straight as in not curvy, but straight as in uh, uh, narrow. There are obstacles in the way. We've all, it's, it's a similar idea. We, we have those obstacles in our life, those straight times, those narrow times, when we feel pressure, when it feels like we're weighed down with a load of, with a load of care. There's, there's pressure on us. There are obstacles. It's a rough place to be in. And in those times, the natural thing to do is to pray. As one person said, prayer may be bitter in the offering, but it will be sweet in the answering. The man of God had called upon the Lord when he was not in distress, and therefore he found it natural and easy to call upon him when he was in distress. And I just wonder, when was the last time you thanked God for answering one of your prayers? I don't mean just the generic, oh God, thanks for this day, blah, 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 you know. I mean a specific prayer that you said and God answered it. When was the last time you specifically said, God, thank you for this? Thank you for answering this prayer in this way. You know, um, we, we beg and plead with God sometimes, sometimes for years. Sometimes it's just through the day, oh God, I'm getting ready to go to this meeting. Please let it get over fast. You know, God, I'm getting ready to talk to this person. Please give me the words to say. And then God will answer those things. But how many times we'd turn around and say, we're like those, you remember there were ten lepers? Jesus healed them, but only one of them came back and said thanks. How many times we're like those nine? We just never turn around and say thank you. And how amazing is it that we can come to the throne of grace of God? Period. But then to be heard and answered, it's amazing. God answers prayers, so thank Him for that. 
Fifth thing that, that he says, look at verses 6 and 7. We should thank God for helping us and being for us. And I think verses 6 and 7 were for me because I've been thinking about this uh, quite a bit here recently. There's some contemporary songs out right now that sing over and over again how God is for us, God is with us, and, and they're, they're praising God for that. And don't get me wrong, I know that, I believe that. But every time I hear those, that, those songs, I think, you know, I think it would be more important for us to be on God's side than for Him to be on our side. And I still believe that's true, but you know what? We can't take away the fact that God is for us. He helps us. He's with us. Now, I want you to look at verse 6 again. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, that may be kind of familiar to you. It should be. Hebrews, the New Testament book of Hebrews quotes this. Paul has the same idea in the book of Romans. If God be for us, who can be against us? But this is not... This does not say nothing bad's going to happen. Because we want to look at this and say, yeah, God's for us. He's on my side. So going to be sunshine and roses, smooth sailing. Everything's going to be great. This does not say nothing bad's going to happen. It doesn't even mean that people are always going to treat us right. You remember the Beatitudes. Jesus said if you live this way, people are going to persecute you. They're going to mistreat you. And when that happens, you should be happy. You should thank God for it. Because regardless of what man does, we can trust that God will supply all that we need. And whatever befalls us, whether it be from people or just from uh, you know, just life, we can be sure that God will ultimately use those things for His glory and for our good. Now, depending on your translation, verse 7 may have read a little bit differently in your Bible than in mine. And if you were to read your neighbors, probably different from theirs because... Uh, I looked at a whole bunch of different translations, and this verse was a little bit different in all of them. But I, I really like the balance that, that the NASB, what I preach out of, brings out. It says, The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. I really like that first part because isn't it good to have friends to stand beside us? It's good to have those friends that, that, that have our back, that are... They're right there with us in whatever it is that we're going through. And we need support from others. But listen, having friends is not enough. You need to have God in there too. It's such a cool picture because here's this group of people that has our back, so to speak, and God is right in the middle of them. But you and I both know that sometimes friends will fail us. They'll not be there when we think that they should be. They'll not be there when we need them. They'll say something unthinking and it'll hurt our feelings. Whenever friends falter, God's still there. God is still right there beside us, right there behind us. And thank God that He helps us in whatever it is that we face. And the last reason that we should thank God is in verses 8 and 9. Because He's trustworthy. You can't count on people, but you can count on God. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can count on through thick and thin. When, when you're up and when you're down, you can count on God. You trust in people, they're going to fail. You trust in your pastor, I'm going to fail. You trust in your spouse, they're going to fail. You trust in your parents, your kids, they're going to fail. They're going to let you down. And then in verse 9, he says, If you trust in princes, today we might say if you trust in Uncle Sam, you're going to be let down. Why? Because no matter how good a person is, they're still a person. They're still liable to fail. They're still weak. They're still greedy. They're still selfish. And on top of that, there are a lot of things people can't help you with. 
If you think that a doctor is the one who heals you when you're sick, you're wrong. They can give you medicine. They can, they can do all the things that, that should bring healing to your body, but ultimately, God is the one that brings healing. We all know of people who, who the doctors didn't give any chance of, of making it, and they outlived the doctors. And then there are people who said, uh, they said, you know, 100% chance of recovery, and they died. God is the one that brings the healing. There, there are times whenever you're going through bereavement, Somebody, you've had a loss of some kind. People can sit with you. They can share with you. And that can be a comfort to you. But ultimately, God's the one that brings healing to your heart. When you face death, your friends can be by your side. But you know what? They can't walk through that dark valley with you. Only God can do that. Your eternal destiny. Your friends can't get you to heaven. Only God can do that. You can count on God because if you trust in people... They're going to let you down. In fact, if you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to trust in God. You're going to have to believe Him. Believe that He'll do what He says because He says that He'll save anybody who calls on His name. Cast your lot with Him. Trust in Him. And if you've never done that for your salvation, you can and you should today. You say, Pastor, I did that a long time ago. Great. You know what? You have a lot of stuff to be thankful for. Be thankful for heaven. You know, we have all these aching bodies and everybody's having surgery nowadays. We're not going to have that in heaven. You know, we have, you know, the other day um, I was outside and it was cold. I came in, I went to log on to my computers and my fingers wouldn't work very well. They're stiff. That's not going to happen in heaven. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for. Thankful that if we had believing loved ones, relatives, they've died in Christ, one day we're going to be reunited with them. Thankful that God didn't leave us as orphans, but He sent the Holy Spirit. Thankful that God is good. Everything He does is good. Going through a bad time, God will treat you good in it. His loving kindness is everlasting. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. He answers our prayers. He helps us. He's trustworthy. You can count on Him. So many things that we can be thankful for, and that's just a few of them. Listen, if the church doesn't praise God, who's going to do it? If Christians won't sing of His mercy, who's going to do it? If you don't thank God, who will? Understand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quiet of this time, I just want to give you an opportunity to say thanks to God. We sang about it earlier, we sang about uh, to God be the glory. Saying about counting your blessings. One old preacher I heard said that sometimes he gets so focused on counting his bruises he forgets to count his blessings. Then he started counting his blessings and he get on shouting grounds, what he said.
this in whatever translation you want, that's a blessing. Has God answered a prayer of yours? Thank Him for it. Has God answered a prayer for somebody else? Thank Him for it. 